Hello, Darksiders. I hope you're all doing well. Just wanted to give you a heads up about today's story. This episode deals with graphic material with regards to suicide. It is definitely not appropriate for little ears. Listener discretion could not be more advised. So with that said, let's get on with the show. Today's story takes us to the Republic of Ireland. Famous for its friendly people, mythical leprechauns, legends, shamrocks, stunning green scenery and home to the world's most famous stout, Guinness. Nicole Fox Fenton, known to her family as Coco, lived in Clondalkin on the outskirts of Dublin with her mum and two brothers. As a child, Coco was surrounded with friends all vying for attention from the pretty, fun-loving, cheeky girl. But when Coco turned 18, things began to change. She started going out to the clubs with a couple of new friends that she'd made. But these friends soon turned on Coco. It started out by accidentally bumping into her as she was dancing or knocking her drink over. Her mum, Jackie, begged her daughter to stop going to the clubs with these girls. But Coco wasn't about to let the bullies win. She figured that if she was nice to them, they'd soon stop their tactics. And so, every night, she went out with a big smile on her face. Even if she had been vomiting just minutes before out of terror. Their bullying escalated to the point that they would burn her with cigarettes and would chase her out of the clubs. Almost every time that Coco went out, she would call her mum in tears to come and pick her up. But when the bullies realised that Coco, with her big smile, seemed to be resilient to their tactics, well, to their faces at least, they stepped up their game. They set up horrific social media pages which called her every name under the sun. They would even post pictures of group sex parties and claim Coco was one of the girls involved. They would post that she was riddled with diseases, and they would threaten her. As the bullying intensified, even her close-knit group of friends pulled away from Coco, not wanting to have the bullying transferred to them. Jackie was beside herself with worry. Gone was the outgoing bubbly girl she had once known, instead replaced by a nervous wreck. One day, in January of 2018, Jackie returned home after picking up her sons. What happened next is every parent's worst fear. But this event would be the genesis for a campaign to try change a relic of a law in Ireland. This is Darkseid, and I am your host, Suze. So what happened when Jackie got home? And why would this have such potentially law-changing consequences? Now, at this point, I normally say, hmm, let's find out, in a somewhat suggestive tone. But I feel that today, in this story, I need to give you a trigger warning as to what is coming up next. It is brutal, it is raw, and it is every parent's worst nightmare. If this isn't for you, I suggest you turn this episode off now. Are you still there? Okay. 
Don't say I didn't warn you. I, wa- I walked in, right in front of us, off the banisters. Um, she, ha- she had got the stepladder and um, the dog's lead and she was hanging from the banisters into the hallway the minute you walk in. And I, tr- I was trying to lift her up by the legs. I was lifting her up to try and get the, the weight off her neck. I screamed that loud. Lee didn't know what to do. And I said, take her down, just take her down. She was lying on the floor. I was begging her. I was saying, please, Cole, please just hold on. Don't go. But it was too late. Nicole Coco Fox Fenton was pronounced dead at Dalacht Hospital in Dublin on arrival. And Jackie's world fell apart. The next few weeks were a blur, organising the funeral, trying to console Coco's two brothers and dealing with her own grief. It often became overwhelming. But as each day passed, another feeling started to grip her. Anger. Jackie had been to the Garda, which is the Irish police force, on numerous occasions to report what was happening to her daughter. But they did nothing. Why, I hear you ask? Because the bullies hadn't done anything wrong. Not according to Irish law. If they'd given her a black eye or a broken rib, the Garda could do something about it. But because most of the bullying had happened online, there was nothing that could be done. Again, why, I hear you ask. Well... A couple of days after she died, the, the guards came around to me and said that it's not a criminal offence to, to, for anyone to annihilate or torture. When I say Nicole was bullied, that sounds like a real playground ward, something that kids do in the playground. She was tortured. Well, she couldn't live another day. And what gives anyone the right to tear strips, to tear someone's confidence down like that, to, to tear strips off them, to make them feel that they can't live past another day? You see, online abuse and online image-based abuse became a criminal offence in England and Wales in April of 2015, and in 2016 in Scotland and Northern Ireland. But despite Ireland's sister countries accepting this law, it did not exist in Ireland. I kid you not. Jackie was angry at the Garda for not being able to do anything, and she was seething over the lack of a law in Ireland to protect her daughter and to punish the bullies but she was incandescent with rage at the supposed friends that had literally bullied Coco to death. So angry, in fact, that she even questioned the girls. They showed genuine remorse, but they put their actions down to jealousy. (laughs) But in her heart of hearts, Jackie didn't think that they were going to stop. They'd been confronted many times during the years that they had bullied Coco, but didn't stop. In fact, she didn't think bullies ever stopped. They just moved on to another victim. Because why would they stop? There was nothing in place, no law, no punishment, to stop them. And so Jackie sat, stewed and seethed until a few months after Coco's death, when her anger grew to boiling point. 
she just could not sit there for the rest of her life being angry and feeling let down by the law. She couldn't sit and watch her daughter's bullies go about their lives with no repercussions. But most importantly, she could not bear the thought of another person feeling so desolate, unprotected, vulnerable and hopeless that they felt they had no choice but to take their life or that another family would endure the utter anguish and despair that she was going through. So, she decided that she had to do something about it. Her beautiful daughter's death could not be in vain. So she went in search of answers, and what she found shocked her to the core. Her daughter was not the only one. In fact... Very similar things had happened, and were happening, to people all over Ireland. To people that had tried to fight back, but had also been betrayed by the system. To people who were still trying to fight back. And to people that, due to online abuse, had paid an ultimate price, just like her beloved Coco. Now, whilst there are hundreds of harrowing stories of online abuse in Ireland and I literally mean hundreds, that is no exaggeration. I'm going to introduce us to three other abuse victims as part of today's story. These three stories, in addition to Coco's, highlight the range of categories that fall under the broad term online abuse. And they highlight how the lack of provision in the law failed them, humiliated them and broke them. And for each of the four stories I'm sharing with you today, they, or their families, are seeking to change the law in Ireland, to repair the lack of legal provision that led to their injustice and cost them so dearly. Please allow me to introduce you to Dare Hickey McGovern from Shannon in County Clare. It was 2014 and Dare was 14 years old. She was lounging in her bedroom watching movies when someone sent her a message. And that message contained a link. I opened the link and I saw my photos uploaded onto Facebook had been put up onto a porn website along with a number of other girls that I knew in our town. Like my ones, for example, with taken um, uh, you know, a selfie from my shoulders up, smiling, and then written alongside of it on the photo was graphic, incestuous comments, you know, very sexual in nature among the other girls. Dare reached out to the other girls and collectively they went to the Garda. And the Garda actually did something about it. So why would they help Dare and not Coco, I hear you ask? Well, as I said, Dare was 14 when this horrible event happened. The only law in place in Ireland that could affect a criminal charge for putting sexually explicit pictures online of someone without their consent was the Child Trafficking and Pornography Act of 1998. But this act only covered pictures of people under the age of 18. No criminal liability was attached for the non-consensual posting and sharing of images or abuse of people aged 18 and over. The Garda were actually able to trace the source of the mass uploads, and it was one Evan Meehan, aged 19, also of Shannon, County Clare. All the affected girls were friends with Meehan on Facebook, which is how he'd been able to poach their photos. 
Meehan was actually taken to court and he admitted to 19 charges of knowingly making a false report. Justice was about to prevail. Or was it? What happened next beggars belief? You've a great life ahead of you. There's no conviction or no order against you. The case is dead if you want to keep it dead. Yep, you heard that right. Even though Meehan had pleaded guilty to 19 charges against him, Judge Patrick Durkin let him off scot-free. He even praised Meehan for working to improve his life. And by this, he means Meehan abided by the rules of his probation. He also pointed out that Meehan had been a child at the time of the incident and he didn't need this ruining his life. <laughs> Unbelievable. Let's just recap here, huh? Meehan was 19 when he posted the pictures, legally an adult, not a child. Dare and many of the other girls affected by Meehan's actions were 14, legally still a child. But absolutely no consideration was given to how Meehan's actions had ruined their lives. So, whilst Meehan walked free, this is what Dare and the other girls faced in the aftermath of the online abuse. It was incredibly violating. It was traumatising. I remember going on holidays shortly afterwards and being paranoid about people taking photographs. Had people seen me? It was a very concerned, you know, with job applications. If people Googled me, is that what they'll see? It was horrible and, you know, I was afraid. I was afraid who had seen the photos. I didn't know what would come of it. It was very, very upsetting. Meehan had been tried under the Child Trafficking and Pornography Act 1998, so Dare and some of the other girls sought further legal action to see if they could bring Meehan to justice under other criminal offences, such as online image-based abuse. And this is when they discovered there was no such law in place. The whole sort of judicial system, how there's no legislation to cover this as of yet, the law at the moment is really lagging behind with, techn with technology. There is nothing to cover this. And also, between the judge, his solicitor and the inspector, there was no real regard for the girls involved at all. It was all about him. And also, the fact that I was a minor in all these photos that were uploaded, I was between the ages of 14 and 17. Okay, okay. And I feel that it was taken not seriously at all. And most of the girls were underage in all these photos that were uploaded. You know, at what age do men are held responsible for their actions? What age will they be held accountable? Huh. Unbelievable. But sadly, as you'll hear throughout the rest of this episode, the theme of being abandoned by the law as victims whilst their perpetrators seem to be protected because of the lack of the law runs throughout each of the four stories and every other person in Ireland that has been affected by online abuse. So now, please allow me to introduce you to Dara Quigley. Thirty-seven-year-old Dublin resident Dara marched to the beat of her own drum. She didn't conform to social norms and she challenged others' social values, always making her family and friends think outside the box. She was smart too. She studied astrophysics at Trinity College in Dublin, 
the best university in Ireland. She had a career in IT, but this was too conformist for the feisty avant-garde, free-thinking Dara. In January of 2016, she made the New Year's resolution to change her life to one that could help others. She wasn't happy with a lot of the things that she saw, the way the most vulnerable in society were being treated, particularly upset her. So she quit her job and became a blogger and an independent writer for the Dubliner Enquirer, and most importantly, an activist. Dara used her self-awareness to turn the inward lens into a magnifying glass that could focus on what others might need. Her pen was her sword and she used it to redress the imbalance in society. She tackled austerity, poverty, the growing epidemic of substance abuse. Wherever there was inequality and injustice, Dara tackled it head on. She really was a force of nature, feisty and free-spirited, but troubled. Despite her drive and determination, life had not been easy for Dara. For some years, she had been battling a heroin addiction and suffered from acute mental health problems. And in early 2017, life was just getting too much for Dara. The tormenting, unyielding demons of addiction were too strong and her mental health was taking a serious toll. On the evening of April 7, 2017, the Garda were called to Harcourt Street in central Dublin after people reported seeing a naked woman walking in the road. She seemed to be rambling and somewhat incohesive. It was Dara. She was having a psychotic break. The Garda found her, scooped her up and took her into the station, detaining her under the Mental Health Act. But ultimately, they'd rescued her. They were her heroes. But, a few days later, Dara discovered that someone had taken her weakest, darkest moment and turned it into a humiliating public spectacle. Dara Quigley was arrested by Gardaí in Dublin. She was detained under the Mental Health Act for walking naked in a Dublin street. CCTV images were shared in early April and viewed over 125,000 times on social media before they were removed. Yes, you heard that correctly. Someone had seen the CCTV footage of a naked Dara walking down the street. They'd uploaded it to a WhatsApp group and someone from that group had shared it to Facebook. And within days, it had 125,000 views. How cruel. Dara was staying at a friend's house in Tipperary, recuperating from her psychotic break, when she received a message from another friend. Her friend was alerting her to the public naked video. Dara was horrified and humiliated. But what made it worse? For sheer entertainment purposes, someone had added music to the 90-second video. And they'd named her. As Dara scrolled through the messages under the video, vile, hurtful, nasty messages, she howled and sobbed to her friend at the injustice, the indignity and the shame. The friend was equally as riled up and as upset as Dara. Who could have done this to her? 
at a time when she needed help the most, some sick person had dealt her the nastiest blow. The friend tried to console Dara, and eventually she cried herself into a fitful sleep. The next morning, 12th of April 2017, the friend awoke to find Dara missing. Thinking she had gone for a walk to Loch Derig, a beautiful tranquil lake in Tipperary, and a favourite place for Dara to go when she needed to clear her head, the friend didn't initially worry. Until she received a knock at the door. It was the Garda. Eileen Malone, Dara's mum, was receiving a knock at the door at the same time. It was also the Garda. And they were delivering the same message to Eileen as they were to the friend in Tipperary. Dara was dead. She had drowned in Loch Derrick. Eileen reeled with the shock of the news. No, it, it couldn't be. Not her little girl. It wasn't possible. But as Eileen's head spun and her knees buckled under the enormity of the Garda's words, they dealt her another blow. Dara, the feisty, full of character, beloved daughter and sister, impassioned activist and challenger of all things wrong in the world, had ended her own life. She had committed suicide. As Eileen and Terry, Dara's father, tried to wrap their heads around the devastating news, they had a growing sense of anger. They wanted to know just whom had posted the CCTV footage of their daughter online, whom had pushed an already vulnerable person to the point whereby they felt they had to end their life. They contacted the Garda for answers and they were assured that they were already conducting their own investigation to find out whom posted the video, and they had also demanded that Facebook take down the video, which they did. But the video might have only been live for a few days, but the damage was done. But rumours were starting to swell within the Garda, and these rumours soon reached the ears of senior management within the force. Whether the rumours were true or not, Senior management realised that this matter was now out of their hands. It had to be dealt with by the Garda Shiahana Ombudsman Commission, or GSOC as it is known, which is an independent statutory body in Ireland charged with overseeing the Garda. And so GSOC began their own investigation. But in the meantime, the media had caught wind of the story, and it wasn't long before they too were tracking down the source of the CCTV leak. And they got there first. And it turned out that the rumours that had been swirling around the Garda were true. Their discovery hit the headlines of every major Irish newspaper and what they discovered sent shockwaves through Ireland. So much so that immediately Sinn Féin deputy leader Mary Lou Macdonald petitioned to Taoiseach, the Irish Prime Minister, for change. I would like you to um, shed some light on the case of Dara Quigley, uh, a young woman who died by, by suicide on April 12th. She had been detained by Gardaí some days previously under the Mental Health Act. She had been walking naked in a Dublin street when detained and Gardaí's CCTV footage of this detention was posted on Facebook. A really deplorable and revolting turn of events and something that uh, has brought great hardship to her family. When we talk about Garda culture 
and reform and accountability. I suppose this is the rawest end, the sharpest end, a deplorable culture of humiliation and disregard for human beings. So, Tanishtha, uh, I hope that you will, as the Taoiseach promised, come before the House, make your statement, and I hope also that you might shed some uh, light on the accountability that will be held uh, for the life of Dara Quigley. I hope you all got that. It was the actual Garda CCTV footage that had been leaked. And it had been leaked by a member of the Garda. Yeah, you heard that right. The very body that was supposed to be there to protect and serve the public, the very people that Dara so clearly needed help from on that night, her supposed heroes, were the very people that betrayed her. They had used her darkest hour to create their own comedy hour. <laughs> they thought nothing of the consequence to Dara, nothing of the humiliation and degradation of what it may do to her, especially someone so vulnerable. Taoiseach advised the Deputy Sinn Féin leader that GSOC, the governing body for the Garda, were conducting a full investigation into the allegation and into the conduct of the Garda in relation to Dara's death. In addition, an inquest into her death was also to be conducted. In fact, whilst the GSOC were conducting their investigation, they managed to pinpoint the actual Garda culprit whom had leaked the footage to the WhatsApp group. And to this day, the pernicious Pillock has been protected by GSOC and thus has not been named. <sighs> but, still, at least he had been identified. The Garda, in question, was suspended without pay from the force. Well, hallelujah and amen. An investigation commenced to look into the allegations that the officer may have committed a reckless endangerment offence by sharing the video, as well as a breach of Garda protocol. Dara's family urged GSOC to bring proceedings against the Garda git. But in order to do this, they needed the results of Dara's inquest and they needed the GSOC investigative report. And so they waited and waited and waited. In early 2018, they were still waiting. This is now a year after Dara's tragic death. When the family were dealt with another devastating blow. The Garda that had recorded and shared the footage of Dara? Yeah, he was not going to face any criminal prosecution. Why, I hear you ask? Because they deemed that he had not broken any laws. The press and Dara's family bombarded the GSOC for answers as to why a criminal prosecution was not to be pursued. But all they got back was that GSOC couldn't comment as the case was still under investigation. But the officer in question may face a disciplinary. That's it. A disciplinary. A slap on the wrist and go back to your desk, you naughty little boy. But he wouldn't be disciplined until the GSOC investigation was over, which, as you're aware, still wasn't completed a year after Dara's death. And so, the feckless blackguard was permitted to go back to work, as if nothing had happened. Dara's family were baffled, confused, hurt, 
and once again felt betrayed. It seemed as though the Garda and Jisok were trying to protect their own and to hell with getting answers and justice for their daughter. With no answers forthcoming from the tight-lipped Jisok, Dara's family started to look into the law themselves. If Jisok weren't willing to hold this man accountable, they would, because surely he had broken at least one law with his reckless and deplorable action. They began by looking into whether an offence had occurred as part of the Garda Shihana Act, which is the legal act of accountability of members of the Garda for the discharge of their official duties. And they found within the Act, Section 62, which states that the disclosure of any information that has a harmful effect if it results in the publication of personal information and constitutes an unwarranted and serious infringement of a person's right to privacy is deemed an offence under the Act. In short, this section makes it clear that it is illegal for a Garda to share information obtained in the course of their duties which is likely to have a harmful effect. Eh? I don't know about you, but it's as clear as day to me that under Section 62, the Garda Gollum was at fault. He disclosed information, personal information, a video of Naked Dara with her name, and this action resulted in having a harmful effect. Therefore, under Section 62, there has been a serious infringement of a person's right to privacy. So, how is this Garda not being prosecuted when he seriously flouted and broke the very rule that applied to him? Hmm. Good question. And it wasn't just Dara's family that were baffled. The media had also picked up on this breach and were soon bombarding GSOC and the Director of Public Prosecutions, whom had defended the GSOC's decision to not prosecute. But once again, they were all met with a stone wall. As there was still an investigation ensuing, they weren't permitted to comment. Dara's poor family. They were still reeling after Dara's death, but now they couldn't get answers. The person who potentially drove her to commit suicide was not going to be held accountable, and there was still no inquest or completion of the GSOC report for them to move forward and finally have some form of resolution. Thank goodness at least the media seemed to be on Dara and her family's side, because it sure as excrement seemed that the Director of Public Prosecutions, the Garda, and its so-called independent statutory body, GSOC, were not. And Eileen Malone was done with waiting for the GSOC report and the inquest. In her heart of hearts, she knew this Garda had broken the law. If the GSOC and the Department of Public Prosecutions weren't willing to indict the putrescent pissant on breaching privacy laws, even though he did, under Section 62 of the Garda Shiahana Act, then they would go after him for violation of image-based sexual abuse. For that is most definitely what he had done. And just like Coco's mum Jackie Fox and Dare Hickey McGovern, Eileen too discovered that there was no such law in Ireland. The GSOC were dragging their heels with the investigation and inquest into Dara's death, so no privacy law breach could be affected on the Garda member in question until they were completed. 
and Eileen couldn't file a personal suit for image-based abuse against the Garda because technically he had not broken the law. Their hands were tied until they finally had the results from GSOC. Now, please allow me to introduce you to Megan Sims from Limerick Island. In 2016, Megan awoke one morning to her phone pinging relentlessly with Facebook messages. As she opened the app, what she saw shocked her to the core. Um, I logged into my Facebook and I had 400 plus messages just calling me horrible names, slut shaming, telling me to kill myself. The more Megan read, the more devastated she became. She researched into why she was getting so much hate mail and it wasn't long before she found the source. Someone, and she was fairly sure she knew who, had posted naked pictures of her on a website with her contact details. She contacted the person whom she thought had posted the photos and asked them to take them down. They denied all knowledge. She contacted the website and asked them to take them down. But they refused, as the pictures had been loaded in good faith and there was no protocol breach in their uploading. And, all the while, the hate mail didn't stop. It was continuous, day after day, name-calling, harassing, threatening. Megan found herself retreating from the world, trusting no one, staying indoors and becoming more and more depressed. Until... And then I took some time out and a few months later my photos were uploaded to anonymous websites where they'll post a ton of girls' photos. So my photos were posted with a ton of other girls from Limerick and all over the country. To be honest, it was very, very, very difficult. This resulted in a severe suicide attempt for me. <sighs> it happened not once, but twice. But... Like Jackie, Eileen and Dare, Megan decided she had to do something. She couldn't keep living like this, never knowing when the next suicide request or hate mail would ping her phone. If the suspected perpetrator wouldn't take the images down, and neither would the website, she needed to make people aware of what was inadvertently happening to them. Because if it happened to her... It must be happening to others. She went back to the website and saw that there were hundreds of girls' pictures on the site and some of them looked very young. But what really stuck out to her was that most of the girls seemed to be Irish. She started reaching out to as many girls as she could find contact information for whom also had their photos posted onto the site, letting them know she managed to get hold of hundreds of girls and in every single case the girls confirmed the photos had been uploaded without their consent. Megan began looking into how they could get the photos taken down because surely there had to be a law in place to protect them and to stop this from happening. And this is when, just like Jackie Fox, Eileen Malone and Dare Hickey McGovern found out she discovered that there was no law to prevent this happening in Ireland 
and this is why the website had contained so many Irish girls. Because the perpetrators wouldn't and couldn't be held accountable. So, she created a petition using change.org to petition the Erectors, the Irish Parliament, to make image-based sexual abuse a criminal offence. The petition garnered much support very quickly and caught the attention of the media, but it made little sway in political circles. But Megan's petition had caught the attention of a lady called Linda Hayden from Kildare. Linda is an activist for, well, wherever there's injustice, you will find Linda lobbying. A young girl in her 20s had approached Linda and told her that she was being blackmailed for money to avoid naked pictures of her being sent to friends and family and being made publicly available online. The girl had gone to the Garda for help, but as we now know, there was no help to be had, as there was no law to cover online blackmailing and threats. Linda recognised the injustice of the situation and the gap in the law and began campaigning to change this. This is when Megan's story and her image-based sexual abuse law reform campaign caught her attention. Linda reached out to Megan and the two soon formed an organisation in pursuit of changing the law. It is called the Victims' Alliance and its purpose is described as an organisation created to give a collective voice to anyone who has been victimised by another person or system. They began going through the online forums to find all the sites that were housing unauthorised images of women, especially Irish women, and what they found absolutely shocked them. There wasn't just one site housing indecent unauthorised images. There were many, many of them. And then... We'd been dealing with about 10 to 12 victims a day um, of people who'd had maybe intimate images that they'd shared with an ex-partner or images that they'd shared on their OnlyFans um, that had been leaked to a wider audience or that was being used to, to blackmail them and things like that. Our head of image-based crime, Megan Sims, was trying to trace back an image that somebody had had leaked to her father. Um, and so in doing so, she ended up on this forum and it was a forum that was hosted on a website and she noticed while she was looking for the particular image that there, there was talk of these files and links to these mega files. So Megan clicked into one and discovered about 6,000 images uh, all la labelled as Irish women. She went searching further, they located hundreds of these files. Um, so they'd been sharing images of Irish women into these files for a long, long time. When we started uh, clicking in and having a look to see what was in there, uh, there was one file with 140,000 images on it. So quite a significant amount of images and all labelled as Irish women. And the reason why we think that it's been labelled as Irish women is because in the Republic of Ireland, we don't have any legislation specifically to deal with image-based crime. Just so we're clear, one file contained 140,000 pictures and there were hundreds of these files. And this was just one site that they were looking at. And all the images were of Irish females. And some of them 
were underage girls. So, so far, we've heard the tragic story of Coco, whom was bullied unmercifully online to the point that she committed suicide. A tragic case of cyberbullying. Dara, whom took her own life after a video of her naked, was put online without her authorization. A heartbreaking case of online image-based abuse. Dare, whom whilst underage was also a victim of online image-based abuse, but her legally aged perpetrator got off, scot-free, because the law protected him and not her. And finally, Megan, who received threats, defamation and slander. An awful case of online coercion, bullying and image-based abuse. And now Linda, whom was looking to change the law to stop victims being blackmailed to prevent their images being posted online. All these tragic, awful events were a direct result of a lack of legal coverage to protect these people. And all these people and their families wanted the law changed. They were all fighting for a change for their own specific campaign, whether it was online bullying, image-based abuse or blackmail. All these women had been fighting tirelessly to change the law. And whilst they were getting a lot of support from their communities and other victims and their families, little was being done to actually sway politicians. Until Mary MacDonald had made her speech to Taoiseach in the Erectus in 2017. As we know, Taoiseach had told Mary MacDonald that GSOC were conducting a full investigation into the allegation and into the conduct of the Garda in relation to Dara's death. And, as we also know, nothing could be progressed until Dara's inquest and investigation were complete. So, in effect, everything was on hold in terms of justice for Dara. However, after the shocking news of Dara Quigley's suicide, after the video of her walking down a street naked went viral across Ireland, and the subsequent appeal by Mary MacDonald, one person had taken notice. Please allow me to introduce you to Brendan Howlin, former Labour leader and current Labour Chakthadalas for Wexford, a rural area in southeast coastal area of Ireland. Chakthadalas, or TDs as they are known, are the equivalent of British, Australian and New Zealand members of Parliament, or MPs for short, or the equivalent of congressmen or congresswomen in the United States. Brendan had not been aware of the issues surrounding online abuse crimes or victims until the shocking news of Dara's death, public humiliation and ashamed Garda devoid of prosecution was widespread news. It piqued his attention. Mary MacDonald's plea in the Erectus and subsequent awareness of how the case for justice was stalled due to the lack of results from the investigation for Dara only grabbed his attention more. He began looking into why the Garda had been allowed to return to their job without any prosecution, which he considered a flagrant and momentous abuse of public protection, which is the very ethos of the Garda. He soon also realised the flaw in the outdated Child Trafficking and Pornography Act 1998, an act which was set before smartphones and social media existed, and how it did not have any contingents to cover online image-based abuse. And so, he began to put a bill together, called 
the Harassment, Harmful Communications and Related Offences Bill, 2017. The Labour Party is trying to modernise our internet laws to outlaw the sharing of private intimate images. My objective is to have this bill passed and signed by the President so that young people and old people alike can use the internet without fear of their most intimate images shared. That's my promise to try and achieve. However, a bill's journey from its introduction by a TD before the Erectus to its enactment as legislation is frequently protracted, sometimes stymied, and often needs a push or two to get it over the line. And that certainly seems to be what happened with this bill. As its name states, Howling created the bill in 2017, and it was based around image-based online abuse, specifically created as a direct result of Dara's death. However, over a year later, despite several attempts by Howling to gain traction with the bill, it was still languishing in the erectus, and it looked like it was about to stall completely. As I said, a bill often needs a push to get it over the line, whether it's more internal political support, more external public support, or media attention. As there was still no motion in Dara's inquest and investigation results, Howling had nothing to bring any media or public focus to the bill. The bill was spluttering to an unfortunate end. Until one day. One very headstrong, very vocal, very bereft woman caught his attention. He'd seen her petitioning outside Leinster House, which is the name of the Parliament building. He'd seen her in the driving rain, the wind, the snow, and all inclement weather. He'd seen the crowd around her swell in numbers at each protest. He'd seen the banner she held as she marched up and down outside Leinster House, with a beautiful young girl's face emblazoned on them. Curiosity got the better of him, and so he looked into this woman's protest and discovered that she'd launched a huge online campaign using social media to bring her fight to people's attention, to garner support for her campaign. He was so moved by her story, her passion, her commitment, but most importantly, he totally agreed with her campaign. There was clearly a gap in the law that was allowing thousands of Irish people to suffer without protection or consequence and punishment for the perpetrators from the legal system. That woman was Jackie Fox, Coco's mum, and she was campaigning to introduce cyberbullying laws into Ireland. After Jackie had seethed for a few months after Coco's death, feeling helpless because of the lack of laws to protect her darling daughter, and to bring justice to her bullies. Her anger mounting and growing, she decided she had to do something. It was just not enough that the bullies had forced her daughter to commit suicide were remorseful. They needed to be punished. She needed to stop the bullies, to stop another family losing a child, a sibling, a grandchild, a loved one, to an unpunishable crime. She decided she was going to use the very media that was used to kill her daughter to start her campaign. Facebook. She created a page and asked everyone she knew to join, support and share. And quickly, 
she had hundreds of likes within the first few days. But after a few weeks, the numbers stopped and the likes and comments were becoming less and less. So, four months after Coco's death, Jackie petitioned to TDs at Leinster House in an effort to have tougher laws introduced to govern online behaviour. I want to ask you today, how many more ropes do we have to cut down our fair loved ones' throats due to cyberbullying? How many more people do we have to pull out of a river or a lake due to cyberbullying? And how many more people have to take that final step off a bridge and plunge to their death just because these people think it's okay to annihilate and torture them? Jackie really hoped the petition would garner political support. But sadly, when she tried to follow up with those who had voiced their support for the petition, she was met with silence. No one got back to her and she couldn't reach any of the TDs. This is when she decided to start organising peaceful protest marches outside Leinster House. Her protests and marches picked up media attention and as her campaign gained more recognition, so did the support from people, other people that had either themselves or someone that they loved experienced online abuse in some form. Other people like Eileen Malone, Dare Hinckley McGovern, Megan Sims, Linda Hayden and the Victims Alliance, to name but a few. And so Howlin met with Jackie Fox and the other campaigners and heard their stories. As we know, Howlin had already begun to pursue an online sexual abuse bill brought about because of Dara Quigley. And we know that the bill was stalling in the Erectus because of lack of political, public and media impetus to push it over the line. And now... He was grateful that it was stalling, because after hearing Coco and Jackie's stories and that of the other campaigners, he knew that his bill was insufficient to cover the whole gauntlet of abuse that people were suffering from online. He realised he could not pursue one online criminal act without pursuing them all. He needed one act, one law, that covered all these aspects of intimidation hiding behind a screen. Cyberbullying misuse of and public distribution of unauthorised images and blackmail. And so, he revised the Harassment Harmful Communications and Related Offences Bill, and this time, the bill aimed to cover the whole broad spectrum of abuse that takes place online. At the end of the summer recess in 2020, the revised bill was ready to be presented once again to the Erectus. However, Dara Quigley, whose tragic death had been behind the original bill, had still not had her inquest and the GSOC investigation concluded. This was now more than three years after Dara's death. <laughs> Unbelievable. And without a human story to attach to the bill to help it garner media, public and political attention, Howling feared it may once again stall just as it had the first time around. Whilst all the campaigners for reform of online abuse laws were passionate in their activism, committed to their cause, and all came with harrowing stories, it was Jackie and Coco's story that really got to him. Not only did his heart weep when he looked at pictures of Coco, and trust me, Darksiders, she was an extremely stunning young lady, 
but from the moment he met Jackie Fox. Well, he couldn't get rid of her. He had never come across someone so impassioned, so ardent, so dogmatic, so tenacious, someone that would call his office day and night to keep her campaign alive, someone who would do anything to have her voice heard and her cause raised. And Howlin realised that maybe, just maybe, Jackie's impassioned ardour and Coco's harrowing story might just be the catalyst the bill needed to garner the support to give it that one last push to get it over the finish line. In September 2020, Brendan Howlin presented the revised bill to the Justice Committee. Once the bill was presented, Brendan and the Labour Party threw their weight into promoting the bill and gained the support of the Justice Minister, Helen McKenty. They also promoted Jackie and Coco's story at the heart of their campaign. And, as a tribute to Jackie for all her hard work in bringing attention to this need for a change in the law, and as a tribute to Coco, the Labour Party had a surprise for Jackie. Hi, my name is Jackie Fox. I am Nicole Coco Fox's mum. I have fought for the last two years and ten months to make online bullying a criminal offence. Myself and Brendan Howland joined together to bring in Coco's Law, the Harassment Harmful Communication Bill. This law will go to the committee on Tuesday, the 1st of December, the last stretch before it's made law. I am urging the government and all parties to pass this badly needed law. This will save so many lives and protect people from online abuse caused by trolls who think it's okay to torture and torment someone until they cause serious harm to themselves or even worse, make them feel like they can't see past another day. I lost my beautiful daughter Nicole to online abuse and to have this law named after her is a huge, huge legacy for such a little person that she was. It is time to put a stop to this. We need to get this done. So please, please share this video. Get it around. Give it the last push that, you need, that they need. Bring in Coco's Law now. Hmm. They named the law after Coco. Very befitting. But what did Jackie think? Finally, on December 1st, the bill went before the Justice Committee and they began to review and debate the bill. But within days, an issue arose. An issue that threatened to stop the bill passing through to law. The Attorney General felt that including Coco's name in any form in the title of the new bill may influence juries in cases dissimilar to that of Coco's experience, both offline and online. And so, Coco's name was removed from the bill. The Justice Minister and Brendan Howling wholly disagreed with the Attorney-General, but also recognised that if they fought the name change, that it would hold up passing the bill into law. So they had to accept that it went by its original name, 
the Harassment Harmful Communications Related Offences Bill. Needless to say, Jackie was devastated. But she also knew she had to accept the change if the bill was to pass. Now, to give this next section some context. In the USA, the President is both the head of state and the leader of the government. But in Ireland, a Taoiseach is only the leader of the government, as is the Prime Minister of the UK. Both Ireland and the UK have a separate head of state. For the UK, it is Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, and in Ireland, it is the President, Michael Higgins. This is largely a ceremonial role. They sign bills into law and dissolve the government, but are not involved in day-to-day politics. They can contest or advise changes to a bill, but if Parliament or the Erectus reject their change, they have limited further say. And, in late December 2020, President Michael Higgins signed the bill into law. But, with one amendment... He requested the bill include an explanatory memoranda. This is an addition to a bill that is used to understand why a law was enacted, what it was designed to achieve and what it actually means. President Higgins' explanatory memoranda requested that the Erectus included the following amendment. The content of this bill is strongly influenced by persons who have lost their lives because of online abuse. In particular, Nicole Fox. The bill is recognition of her mother's determination to honour the memory of her daughter and to strengthen the law so that others can be safer. As a result, this bill can be referred to as Coco's Law. Jackie was so proud, elated and grateful that the law had passed, finally, after two and a half years of campaigning. But, even more so, that the President had permitted it to be called Coco's Law and it hadn't been contested in the Erectus. And she should feel proud after all her hard work. It was her that really pushed the bill over the line. And this bill could not have come sooner. We all know that 2020 was an epidemic year, but for more ways than just COVID. According to Dr Tijana Milosevic, an anti-bullying expert, Irish children experienced one of the highest rates of cyberbullying in Europe during the 2020 lockdown. (sighs) So... That is the story of Coco, Dara, Dare and Megan, for whom online bullying had devastating consequences to their mental health, their safety, their security, their confidence. And for Coco and Dara, it cost them their lives. The human vermin behind their online attacks and all the other attacks happening all over Ireland really have taken advantage of the lack of the law in the country. To the point that online abuse has become a prolific problem in 2020. Out of the hundreds of stories out there, I chose these four women to cover in this episode so that we can all get a full understanding of the broad spectrum of what falls under the term online abuse. 
so that all of us, but most especially now, the people of Ireland, know that there is protection and justice for all the areas of abuse that fall under this law. And I covered Dara and Coco in particular, so that we can all see the extent of what online abuse can drive a person to do. It's a sad fact that most of us will experience bullying at some point in our lives, usually during our childhoods. I know I did. I remember speaking to my parents and teachers and relatives about it, and they would all preach the same mantra. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but calling names won't harm me. Well, that has to probably be the most disingenuous, misleading advice anyone can ever give. But at the time, when I was growing up, that was a pretty standard response. But words hurt. Name-calling hurts. And unlike a broken bone that can heal, the scars left by verbal and written bullying are carried for life. And like Dara and Coco, it can end a life. So, to the people of Ireland, please do not suffer in silence if you are being abused, harassed, blackmailed or bullied online. Please go to the Gardaí, get help, speak out, silence these bullies instead of them silencing you. The law is on your side now, not theirs. And in fact, to all of you out there, wherever you are, please do not suffer in silence. Reach out, speak out, please get help. If you, me, we don't stand up to the bullies, we may lose someone we love to this vile epidemic of hate. Just one more thing. You know I like, where I can, to include victims' voices so that you, like me, really get a feel for their character. Well, today we've heard Megan and Dare's voice and through Jackie we've got a connection to Coco. But the one person's voice that I just could not find anywhere online, no matter how hard I looked, was Dara. She was a writer, a blogger, so there are no interviews with her, no news clips, nothing. Everything I've read about Dara, she was a very impassioned woman who used her pen as her sword, not a voice. But it just was not sitting right with me that I could not share her voice with you so that you could feel a connection to her. And so I asked my lovely Irish friend, whom would like to remain anonymous, if she would read a passage from Dara's blog. Our economy and society is modelled on the behaviour of pigeons, survival of the fittest, everybody out for themselves. The reality is more complex and beautiful than this regime can possibly imagine. In reality, we are more like a flock of starlings, producing intricate, amazing patterns, all arising from one fundamental rule. No one bird is allowed to get lost. This is a society I want to see, where no one person is allowed to fall between the cracks. Nobody gets lost and no person is homeless. Now, finally, I feel I have given justice to Dara's story. And I think you can see now just how impassioned and articulate she was. So, thank you to my Irish friend. 
I'd also like to thank my lovely friend Stuart Gibson for lending his voice to today's episode as President Michael Higgins. Thank you to you both for your help and support. And if you'd like to lend your voice to the podcast, please reach out to me, either by social media or at info at darksidepodcast.co.uk. I'm always on the hunt for new accents, and I plan on covering a lot more international stories. And, as I'm in a thanking mood, I'd also like to show my appreciation to a few new countries that are listening to my little podcast. I can't thank you enough for coming on board for the ride. In fact, that goes out to all of you. So coming up in what has begun my weekly ritual of utter accent decimation, we have Turkey. Mirhaba vid teşukar edarjim. And Russia. Privyet i spaceba. I tell you, these get harder each week. And as always, my deepest, sincerest apologies for... Yes, I know, I know, I, I destroyed them. But, so long as you know that I'm grateful. Please don't forget to rate and review at iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. As always, you would be making one little podcaster in minus four degrees Celsius in the north of England feel very warm and fuzzy. Oh, and there may be a little darker side this week. Stick around. But until next time, stay safe, stay alert, soothe, over and out. Hello, are you still there? Welcome back to the darker side. I don't think I've done one of these since uh, episode six, the William L. Talbot story. But even though today's story has been longer than the normal ones, there is still more that I just could not fit into the script. I have to tell you, Darksiders, out of all the stories I've written so far, this one has been by far the hardest. Each episode takes me about two weeks to research and write. So yes, I have to write scripts well in advance of the weekly episodes. I'm not like some of those podcasts that literally wing it on the day of airing. Hmm, not mentioning any names. It takes me another one to two days to record because I have to do it in segments because of all the voices and media clips and sound effects that I put in. So yes, an episode takes two weeks to write. But this story, it is being released on January 25th, 2021, and I've been writing it since November 2020, two months. I originally came across this story back in November, and as I knew the bill would be going to the committee on the 1st of December, I decided to put this story out as the last episode before Christmas, once there was an outcome on whether the law had passed or not. However, by the 22nd of December the date of the last pre-Christmas episode, the bill was still languishing in the erectus. Which, by the way, for me, has been one of the hardest words to articulate. I don't know why, but I've had to re-record that word about 30 times, and I'm still not sure I got it right. So, in the end, I had to go with a different pre-Christmas story, the Shoe Bomber episode. When I originally started looking into this story to cover it, 
It was Dara that I first came across, and she had initially been the only focus of the episode. But as I researched her case, I kept finding more and more and more cases of the devastating and harmful effects online abuse was having to the people of Ireland. I was not exaggerating when I said earlier that there are literally hundreds of stories online. And these are just the stories that have been covered by the media. I'm sure there are thousands more sitting in terrified silence. And the more I read these awful, harrowing stories, I realised I couldn't contain the episode to one case of online abuse. There were so many other tragic online abuse accounts that I really wanted to include, but in the end, I chose today's four victims because their stories each highlighted a different aspect of online abuse that the bill addressed. The only issue of online abuse covered by the bill that I did not include as a story in today's episode is blackmailing. Oh, trust me, once again, there are hundreds of stories from Ireland about online blackmail, mostly focusing around people's private images being threatened to be uploaded to porn sites or sent to relatives unless a hefty fine was paid. But the reason I didn't include a blackmail story today is because in each and every article I read that covered this issue, it was referred to either as sextortion or revenge porn. Image-based online abuse is often referred to as revenge porn, but I don't like that term at all. Not only do I think it's vulgar, but there is an implication that, at some point, the injured party was consensual to the images being taken or being distributed, which isn't always the case. It also implies images and abuse are of a sexual nature, and again, as we've seen with Coco and Dara, this wasn't always the case. To call it what it should be called, online abuse, well this covers many forms of miscreancy conducted over the internet, whereas revenge porn incites a purely sexual derision. So, if I used a blackmail story, in the context as it is presented in the media in Ireland, I felt I would be promoting this ineffective, misguiding term, when in fact I wanted to promote awareness of the full issue as it should be known. Online abuse. Oh, and oh, if any of you are wondering as to whether Dara's family have had justice yet, the answer is, well, as far as I can tell, no. I've searched and searched, but unless it hasn't been publicised, it would appear that Dara's family are still waiting for the GSOC report and the inquest results. It is now almost four years after her death. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. And on that note, that's it for The Darker Side this week. Please, all of you, can I ask, be nice to one another especially online, and make sure to stay safe, stay alert, soothes, this really is over and out. <laughs>